2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon's down in L.A. We'll check in with him at the top 5 o'clock hour. Want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. They're looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero Team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero Team. 801-833-3333, Action Plumbing. Joining us now live from Los Angeles. He's down there to cover the game for the station of course he does a wonderful job covering games for us all year long he's the one and only Patrick Kinahan here from six to ten every morning what's up PK hey
0: Jake you know this morning I was reporting it was dark and now I'm able to report sunny this is a live report from Los Angeles
2: it is uh, sunny. Uh, that's good to hear. We're gonna get. Uh, we're gonna fix PK's connection real quick, as uh, he sounded like a, a little bit like a robot uh, right there. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm assuming the weather tonight is going to be gorgeous. It's often gorgeous down in that part of the country, and should not be a factor in, in the outcome of uh, tonight's game. And of course, uh, PK would have, would start there. Of course, PK, you would start there to make us all jealous because it's rained all day here and been very cold.
0: Five well, better people text me that we're listening to the
2: all right, we're going to work. Uh, continue to work on uh, on PK. This is one of those things where uh, we prepared, we checked the line, we were ready to go, and some somehow when we push the button, uh, the connection isn't good. So uh, we'll figure it out uh, uh, with PK. But certainly want to get his thoughts on uh, what's going to happen down in LA tonight. Uh, I heard uh, he uh, on with David James this morning uh, talking about the importance of this game for this particular Utah team, and it's huge. It's a huge way to uh, start the. It's a huge way to start off conference play, and you know it's it's an opportunity. And I don't want to put this into the, the the bad vibes into the atmosphere by any means. But if if the Utes were to stub their toe against the Trojans, I mean, it would be a disaster. Uh, it would put them in front. Uh, of the uh, divisional race, and it would put uh, Utah behind the eight ball a little bit. Now, it would not ruin the season by any means, and they still certainly could win the conference. But uh, it's it's one of those games where you expect Utah to go down and win. And I was reading some of the coverage of this game. I was reading, I think it was Kurt's piece in the Salt Lake uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune, talking about four years ago when Utah was ranked number three in the country and went down to USC and got just hammered. And The difference there was Utah was still not favored in that game. I don't know if you remember that, Austin. And I I don't put a ton of stock into who's favored and not because I know how gambling lines work and it doesn't often have to do with, or it doesn't ever have to do with actually predicting what happens. It, It has to do with, Dividing the money equally. But the the point is, is that USC that year was still favored over Utah, who's number three in the country. People did not believe in the Utes regardless of what they were ranked. And that turned out to be correct. Utah was not the better team that day, and USC, you know, blew them away. This Utah team, I think, is different. And this Utah team is going down and going to be uh, favored in L.A. And last time we checked, Austin, it was about four. Has that moved at all? Not that it matters. Uh,
3: I think it's still four.
2: Before. But I think most everybody, the pundits, everybody, this is a different situation to think the Utes are the better football team and the Utes should go down there and get a win over USC. And I know part of that has to do with USC where they're not quite as formidable as maybe they were back then. But the Clay Hilton was the coach of that team of that uh, particular USC team. So point being, I think Utah's program is at a different point. They're a more legitimate team. And I don't know, Austin, if you can remember exactly how you felt about that number 3 ranking way back then, but it was a little bit of a facade. Yeah, I don't know if anybody really thought that the Utes were the third best team in the country. I think most everybody, um, national guys, locally, whatever, are on board with this Utah team being at least a top 10 team.
3: Yeah, I I am. I'm there. Uh, And I feel like I don't remember exactly the... The rosters all run together for me when I get. I have to go back and refresh my memory yeah. of who was on that and who was the quarterback. But the point, the overall point of how I felt about Utah then compared to how I feel about them now, I think can be summed up in one example. When Troy Williams and the Utes were in the Coliseum, and if I'm misremembering this, maybe I am, but he, he had a two point conversion that he missed. And yes. he missed the opportunity, right. and it was wide open, and that pretty much ended the game and ended Utah's chances of winning that thing. And it felt like the better team came out on top that day, but the Utah was almost was right there yep. and was just close enough but couldn't get over that hump. Well, I think now they've gotten over the hump and are the better team. That's yeah. how I feel about Utah today. I think today. so.
2: I think so, too. And I don't think the location of this particular game is is really going to matter all that much, especially with a, a veteran Utah team full of upperclassmen um, who are not going to be rattled. And, and I, I'm really curious actually to see how many people actually show up at the, at the Coliseum for a, a USC program that maybe some of the enthusiasm uh, has, has been let out of the building a little bit. All right, PK rejoins us now, and PK. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we're not going to get robot PK. How are you?
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Hey. Fine this morning, maybe I'm just not meant to be on the big show.
2: Sounding terrific now. Thank you very much for uh, jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, PK, give me kind of your overall thoughts, and then we'll get into some specifics. But Austin and I, in the 3 o'clock hour, spent some time kind of breaking down uh, USC's defense and where they rank, and they're, they're not terrific. Uh, <laughs> in fact, they're not good really at all. They're 86th in total defense, and I really expect Utah to put up points regardless tonight with their offense, and I just wonder if the Trojans can keep up with their offense against Utah's defense.
0: Well, before the game last week when USC came to Provo to play BYU, I spoke to somebody from SC, and I've worked down here for several years. It's been a long time, but there's still people who are here. And one of the guys I was talking to said he was really concerned about the defense, and that was going into the BYU game. That was his biggest concern. He felt like the offense, even though they had a first-year freshman making his first road start, he was a little nervous because of that situation, and that's asking a lot to have a first-year freshman in his first road start before sixty-two thousand people to go ahead and play like he did the week before against Stanford. But he felt like they could still score. He was far more concerned about the defense. Was the defense going to be able to stop BYU? So you take that with that in mind, and we saw what happened. And the and I think that was clearly BYU's most consistent game from the offensive standpoint. They had zero turnovers, obviously. And then you, at, you look at what Utah has. Well, Utah, I don't think necessarily has a more explosive offense. I think they have a better offense right now than BYU, not necessarily more explosive, which actually plays into their hands because Zach Moss is really good. The offensive line should be able to open holes for him. And somebody told me, speaking to them, he said, Utah's strength matches up against SC's weakness, and that's up front. And that's running the ball and stopping the run and making clean tackles, and rather than missing tackles. So, two people I spoke to from SC play right into what you're saying. That, uh, guys, one didn't go so far as Utah, but he basically did what I'm saying it. And the other guy did because he felt like Utah had the advantage and their strength is running the ball, ball control, the short passing type of things, and then maybe hit a time or two deep. And he felt like I was really into the weakness, see. And that's what I expect to happen. I don't expect Utah to run wild and score 60 points like they did a few years back when they went to Oregon, but I expect them to be able to control the game offensively at the line of scrimmage.
2: Austin threw out the number 35, Utah scoring 35 tonight, and that, that number actually uh, uh, kind of made a lot of sense to me. I think that is reasonable to expect, and frankly, PK, I don't think USC can get 35 on, on Utah's defense, and thus I'm, I'm picking the Utes, but Utah has uh, at times. Uh, struggled with uh, with Pac-12 teams that have a lot of speed and athleticism on the outside. Uh, Nikhil uh, Harry comes to mind, of course, uh, your boy. Uh, and and I guess that's my my concern when it comes to uh, Utah slowing down USC, but I don't know how much of a concern it really is.
0: I a first-round draft choice. To say one of these guys for SC doesn't develop in the first-round draft choice, I think you're going to compare ASU's receivers last year—they may not have an Akeel hair because teams teams—but they have a better, more complete line of receivers.
2: All right, we're going to get PK on the phone. We we love the the magic of, of radio and and connecting to PK using the equipment down there. And I did listen this morning, and PK sounded terrific. And Gordon's not usually here. We usually blame this sort of thing. On uh, on Gordo, but uh, hey, it's my fault. Uh, really, I'm not going to blame that you. That Wi-Fi down there, I'm all over it. You had my back earlier today, Austin, and I'm going to have your back now. We're going to still blame it on Gordon. I don't care if he's not here. He's down in L.A. He's in the same. Uh, he's in the same town as PK. This is absolutely absolutely uh, Gordon's fault so thanks thanks a lot Gordon Gordon will be on the show uh, coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour and of course PK will be covering uh, for the station here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 the zone PK continue that uh, thought talking about the athleticism on the outside
4: yeah when you look at the receivers I and mean, the SC has some really good receivers they don't necessarily have Nikhil Harry few teams do obviously he was acrobatic and dynamic and the youth saw that up front I do think that SC's receivers are going to have a fair amount of success because I think they're going to have a fair amount of success no matter who they get, who they play against because they're just that good. Now, if Anai and Foto and Pincini, if those guys get in the freshman's face, Lovus, what's going to happen? That's what's really going to be interesting. We saw how BYU dropped the eight. What does Utah do? They could probably do that and be just fine because I think they'll get more pressure. Uh, on the young kid, but I would expect that the coaches for SC coached him up, and some of the mistakes that he made, he's not going to make. You look at Zach Wilson and some of the mistakes he made in Game 1 against Utah, but well, we haven't seen those mistakes repeated in Games 2 and 3, right? So I'm expecting the same type of development from the SC quarterback to where he made some mistakes in his first road start against the Cougars. Well, now they can go back and correct some of these things. So I think he'll play better whether he'll play well enough to have them win, I wouldn't bet against that. But I do think SC, I don't know if 35 points is possible against Utah's defense the entire season. So I'm not necessarily going to pick that. But when you say 35 points for Utah – you know, they didn't get anywhere near that, offensively speaking, from the from B, and the BYU game. They didn't need it, obviously, because three turnovers counted for 17 points for sure, certainly directly on the two pick sixes. So I don't know that the Utah offense will get to 35, but I certainly think that they'll have more points at the end of the game, which is all that matters.
2: We were talking about the report that's out there, PK, about Clay Helton, and if they... um get routed by utah today he will not retain his job next week and we'll see if that uh, what happens with that but there's no doubt that his job is you know well the hot seat of course is the cliche and uh, his seat is pretty darn hot uh, you asked him about it after the byu game last week you asked him about the noise but do you i i guess what ex- what effect on the game do you expect that to have
4: Well, I have been in the Coliseum over the years, having worked down here, when things go poorly and the fans will turn very, very quickly. So it has the potential to get really ugly in this stadium, and that's what I'm interested to see. If it is, say, it's 21 to nothing in midway through the second quarter, you'll hear whole lot of booze. In fact, that's pretty much all that you will hear. And it'll grow louder and louder, and the fans then, at the end of the game, they'll be right up against where they walk up that tunnel, and they'll be screaming to get this guy out of here. So it has the potential to get really ugly, if that's the case. I've actually witnessed that Years ago, one kid, a guy named Paul Hackett was the coach, and they play the fight song at the end, and they just, people were yelling at him, throwing stuff at him. It can get really, really nasty. So I guess that's the potential if it gets out of hand. It does seem like he's dead man walking, and it's only a matter of time, not, oh, is it going to be this week, next week, or whenever. It just seems like it's going to be at some point. You clean house. And the athletic department has been an embarrassment here the last couple of years. So it stands to reason with a new president that everybody is going to be out and they're going to be looking for a fresh start. He's a solid football coach. You know, he didn't win the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. But at SC, the tolerance for losing is just the smallest that we have in this conference.
2: P.K. is with us live from L.A. here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. You know, it's funny, P.K., we had Pete Arbogast on yesterday, the the voice of uh, the Trojans, and, of course, he works sure. for that athletic department. And I asked him about Lynn Swan and kind of what happened there. Did it have something to do with the admission scandal and the performance of the football program? And I asked him about what actually happened, and I got a no comment. He gave me a no comment on that question. So, I, you know, backing up what you're saying, and what the the athletic department down there is is a complete i mean it's a complete disaster and i just i just wonder you know if well how clay helton's going to continue to coach his team and if the players are are hearing all that because as you say it's LA and it's always noisy
4: Yes, and they're going to hear it. They already hear it. Today's kids hear everything with social media. And there was a thing out today you just referenced it where it said that he could get fired tonight. I'm pretty sure just every player has seen that. And so, yeah, what does that mean? I'm real curious to see how, how the players respond because they can get this guy run, you know, tonight <laughs> if they want to, basically. If they roll over, uh, they could get the guy fired tonight. That, that, that's a fact. So how will they respond? Because they are 1-0 and zero in conference. And that was what Clay Hilton came down at uh, Lavella Stadium last Saturday. That's what he kept. His whole message in his postgame was, this is a non-conference game. This has nothing to do on our goals. I'm not going to let this distract us. This is a special group of kids. We're going to have a special year. And it was extremely positive. Now they just lost in overtime. It's not like they got smoked 42-10. to 10. So there was some truth to it. They did beat Stanford. Stanford has since the rollover against uh, uh what central florida so when you look at that stanford doesn't appear to be all that good but they are one and zero and if they win this game you know that puts them in a the driver's seat really doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win it but it puts them in the driver's seat you'd started zero and two last year and still won the thing so how are these players going to respond That's something that's going to be very interesting to me. Do they roll over, or do they come out with all sorts sorts of motivation, knowing, all right, we had our mulligan here in the non-conference, but we have a great opportunity to still win this division and get to the Rose Bowl. Which one's it going to be? Is it going to be this pass or that pass?
2: PK, do you expect Utah to have a similar defensive game plan to BYU's? Because BYU's was very effective.
4: Oh, I think they can do that relatively easily, yeah, because I like their guys up front a little bit better. So it worked. So I would think that that's the way they would start out, and then if they have to make adjustments, they go from there, see what it's about, and just play the regular standard-based defense that they play, and then go from there. Do they need to make adjustments? You know, they're they're a little bit different in that they usually go with the five DBs and the two linebackers, right? And... So how does that work? This SC, you know, we had Norm Chow on this morning, and he was insistent that they should have run the ball yeah. more than they did against BYU. And he thought that was really stubborn of the offensive coordinator to keep trying to throw it. We said there was no no passing lanes were available, but yet they kept doing it. And it didn't make any sense to him. And if he's going to talk like that, obviously I'm going to listen because, you know, he can coordinate games in his sleep. So, yeah, what do they do defensive offensively, I think will dictate what uh, BYU or Utah wants to do defensively. But I think at the start, yeah, they're going to do that because this air raid, well, it's not run raid, it's air raid. You didn't bring in this Graham Harrell Rick Leach, or Mike Leach disciple to run the ball old student body right and left in the in the Trojan way that we've got all those running backs, Heisman Trophy winners back in the 60s and 70s, right? So what's it going to be? How do they run their offense utah starts in the basic package and then they'll make adjustments as necessary
2: i that's really interesting coach chow said that because i said that on monday and gordon looked at me like i was crazy so i'm just i'm just
4: you are are crazy but it has nothing to do with
2: that i just am happy that my opinion got some validation from you know a, a, a football coaching legend that's all uh are you buying into slovis much uh you like him as a quarterback
4: yeah, I think he looked good even though he threw the three picks. You're, he, you you got to remember he's 18 years old starting his second college game. <clears throat> I still think that he looked like he's got something to work with here. He looked even in the interceptions, you know, there was a certain amount of poise there. So, yes, I am buying him as potentially being a nice player, but he's just a freshman starting his third game here, so let's see what happens right now. You're playing this kid now. Tyler Huntley, who is at the top of his game right now, was not that way two years ago, right? He's brilliant now. I mean, he's since He's all Pac-12, no conference games, so it doesn't really matter right now. But still, he's playing at a high level. He's a senior, right? And he's been through it. This kid hasn't been through it. So if you grade great on the curve, yeah, I like him.
2: Uh, I liked uh, your comments this morning uh, about how big this game is for Utah and their, their aspirations this year. What a way to start the conference play, huh?
4: Yeah, I think it's great because, you know, they go through the non-conference season the way we thought. Uh, talking to Frank Dolce earlier in the week, uh, I know more, I know nothing more or nothing less about this team than I thought I would know at this point. They're right where we all thought they would be, right? There's really been no big surprise or disappointment either way they're on target for where they're supposed to be. Now, you're going to have to play some tough games. You're the favorite. Teams are going to be gunning for you, no matter what. And so, how do you answer? How do you respond? I think the last thing they need is another cream-puff game. Let's get some real competition. Now, may turn into a lopsided score. We'll see how that plays out. But I think they need some tough competition because they played three games already, right? So, let's get it on, so to speak. Let's have some real competition here coming into the Coliseum, television on a Friday night, I can think of no better way than to start because you're not going to play nine dogs, right? You're going to have to play some big teams sometime. So why not get the first one after you've had three games under your belt in which you've dominated the competition?
2: P.K., thank you very much for jumping on. Look forward to, uh, to all of your coverage throughout the afternoon and evening and certainly look forward to your post-game column. Uh, for those folks uh, out there that may not know, P.K. Uh, writes uh, after every game that he covers. It goes right up there after the game at 1280thezone.com, and it's always a must-read. P.K., thank you so much.
4: Okay, Jake, thank you.
2: All right, there you go. Patrick Kinahan, live from Los Angeles. A little preview for Utah and USC. We're going to preview BYU and Washington coming up next with our friend Jordan Pendleton, so stay tuned for that. But joining me now in studio, Gabe from Syringa Networks. You can give him a call, 385-420-7881. But, uh, Gabe, you're trying to uh, make business communication better.
5: Yes, that is really our aim is to really make it so that it's something that is reliable. And consistent for the the market here in Utah.
2: So we're talking voice, we're talking internet, we're talking business to business communication.
5: Correct. Yeah, the full gambit of telecommunications product, all those things that businesses now have to have in order to stay viable and really compete in, in not just in the local market, but on on a global basis.
2: And maybe this is some things that that we take for granted sometimes, but this is critical to any business. I mean, really, if if,
5: if this isn't taken care of, you're losing money. Absolutely. If it's not working, you're, 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 you're spot on. It, you are losing money at that point. If you can't take calls, if you can't receive emails, if your, your website's down, those sorts of things are critical today for businesses. And
2: you guys are local, so if any issues happen to arise, that you're right on top of it and right here.
5: Yeah, we have uh, some industry-leading uh, service-level agreements that guarantee uptimes and things of that nature. And we're, because we're local, our response time is, is very, very fast.
2: So you uh, uh, won't lose that money that that's we were right. talking yeah, about. So we'll
5: be able to keep that green
2: in. Three eight five four two zero seven eight eight one. Keep that green in. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, we may have to use that. That's <laughs> that's well done. Three eight five four two zero seven eight eight one. 420 dot com. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank you. All right, uh, we'll have uh, Jordan Pendleton next. 97.5 and twelve eighty. The zone.
1: This is DJ and PK.
2: Norm Chow joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: Everybody's looking for the edge, right? Not only the players, you're right. And there's always
6: something in their form. Not only those that, that just want to be around the guys, but those that are going to try to earn their living off of
0: them. Boy, you must have seen that in abundance at SC then when it was going as well as it was. Oh, there's
6: no question about it. And it was going on. Everybody everybody wanted to be with Reggie Bush because he was the one that had the keys to the Playboy Mansion. He could go to the Playboy Mansion, not the coaches. So the coaches were playing up to Reggie so that they could go with him.
1: Catch D- DJ and PK, mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. is the big show with Gordon Monset and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network.
2: Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you to join Scotty and Hans, uh coming up on uh, Monday from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South, 700 East. We're going to talk to Jordan Pendleton coming up here momentarily, the former Cougar linebacker. He's going to give us a little insight as we will uh, preview BYU and Washington tomorrow at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That game kicks off, uh, by the way, at 1.30. Our pregame will begin at noon right here on Zone Radio Network, uh, live from JCW's down in Provo. Hans Olsen and Will Snowden will get you ready for that game. And then, of course, still have the postgame show after the game goes final, taking your phone calls. And, by the way, Love JCW's, and that is the perfect location for our pre- and post-game coverage because it's right there by the stadium. It's right on the way. The food is uh, delicious. Shakes bigger than Tony, someone once uh, once said. No better place to get ready for the game, obviously right around lunchtime, or uh, to uh, celebrate either a Cougar victory or drown your sorrows if uh, the Cougs happen to lose in delicious ice cream. Now while we wait for Jordan... You mentioned the
3: pregames at noon. I did. The game is at 1.30. It is. Our pregames at JCW's, as you all men- you mentioned. All correct. That. Uh-huh. I host a show until noon on Saturday. You do. You talk Car Sense. I'm also scheduled to cover said game in person for the Zone Sports Network. That is true. I didn't Over think about that. under the beginning of the second quarter, when I'm finally in my seat in the press box, not being able to get on the freeway till about twelve fifteen.
2: Okay, all right. I'm gonna go under. Really? I am. I, I'm gonna go under because. Do you know of, of
3: a secret tunnel I can take? Should I go through Heber? What no. are you talking
2: about? You could go through Heber if you, you really want to. You've been there on a game day. I have been. It's there. hell. It is. It is rough getting there. No, it's hell. But say I, it with me. It's hell. But I believe in you, Austin, because you're you're creative, and you'll find uh, you'll find a, a creative way to get there. Uh, and University Parkway is is oh, nearly construction free, so you'll uh, that'll move better. You're gonna attach a cattle guard on the front of my car. <laughs> Just plow your way through it. No, but uh, an hour and a half. Yeah, it might be close. I I bet you could do it though, Austin. I believe in you. Maybe just, uh the, well, JCW's is bad. I was going to say stop at JCW's and let traffic die out, but <laughs> that's basically at the stadium, so that's uh, not really going it's to. That's right there. Yeah, yeah, that's not really going to help you all that much, so I probably should have thought of that. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset, get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, former Cougar linebacker Jordan Pendleton with us making his weekly appearance. Hi, Jordan, how are you? Jordan, you with us?
6: Yes, yes. Ah. Sorry, you were kind out there for a little bit.
2: Oh no, you're good, man. How are things?
6: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing?
2: Hey, we are doing great, and I want to get into the Cougs, but uh, I. I want to ask you about this because the Tulane-Houston game last night, it was a thriller. Tulane won 38-31. But, it, what, uh, Austin, it ended with like a fake kneel-down play. and oh, Well, were...
3: Tulane faked the kneel-down to get close enough for the game-winning touchdown, yeah.
2: And uh, Austin was telling me you had uh, something similar on a team to win the state title in high school?
6: Yeah, yeah, I actually did. So, yeah, we were playing out. This is my senior year. Um, it was 2006. And that was actually the game-winning touchdown. And it, I don't even know if it made sense to take a nil because we were, like, we were going in to try and score and win the game. But it worked on it for – we just kind of barely put it in, like in the playoffs. Something that if we needed to come to it, like a magical moment, we would throw in. And it was like the, we had two minutes left. We're marching the ball down. And we we had all the linemen just kind of, like, not do anything. We just snapped the ball. Quarterback kind of, like, went down like he was going to nail the ball. Nobody blocked anything. The defense was super confused. out to act like, you know, I wasn't going to do anything really. And then all of a sudden, I just took off right by the defender. They were playing man-to-man. And uh, I was able to catch a ball right over the middle for the win. That ended up being the game-winning touchdown. So. Yeah, it was a crazy play, man.
2: How about that? Uh, let's talk about last week's game for a minute. Uh, Jordan, big win for the, for the Cougs over USC, obviously. But I was so impressed with the game plan from BYU and Coach Tuiaki. Uh, they just kind of preyed on that USC arrogance where they were going to try and run that air raid regardless. And they, that, especially the defense, I thought, really balled out.
6: Yeah, no, it, it was a huge win. And I was actually I was able to go to that game and what a game to go to. I just thought um, I thought we played well on both sides of the ball. I thought we did great things, but I thought our defense really performed well. And it, it just looked like we were – it looked like we had some confidence to us. And I think that was the main difference. And, and honestly, I think a lot of it stems from that, that win at Tennessee. I think if we don't win that game at Tennessee, we, we can't easily start on three and I felt like that win gave us a ton of confidence coming back home to play in uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium.
2: So talk about kind of parlaying that confidence, because I'm sure those guys are just riding high in going into yet another underdog situation where they're playing yet another big-name team. True, it's at home, but how much is that confidence going to be in a, fa- uh, a factor again this week trying to slay another Giant?
6: Well, I think it's huge. You know, there's a lot of BYU fans that thought that we could go into this game 0-3, quite frankly, and then, and then have a tough Washington opponent that, you know, we could like we could have started out 0-4 if things wouldn't have went our way. And, you know, to pull out Tennessee in the fashion that we did and then beat USC in overtime at home, it, it says a lot. And And honestly, you know, football is all about momentum. And it's all about if you can weather that storm. And right now, I feel like we have a lot of momentum going into this game against a very good opponent. And it helps that we're at home as well, with you know one of the one of the best crowds in the country.
2: The run game, Jordan, I want to talk to you about that a little bit. And I, I chatted with this uh, with Gordon yesterday. But um, having I think Lapini Katoa is, is a really good player. And I thought he did some some nice things last year and, and certainly is a is a good running back. But having just Lapini as opposed to this year where you've got uh, Tyson Williams and you've got a Supa and you've got Katoa. How much is that an advantage for the offense to have three running backs of that caliber to take some of the pressure? Off Zach Wilson.
5: Well,
6: it's it's huge, and you know, it's it's one thing to have one great running back. You know, like we had we had Williams, which who, who was awesome, and we could just rely on him game in and game out. But there's something to be said about having two to three guys that can go in and kind of share the share, you know, the the offense by committee, and it presents challenges for the defense. Anytime you have a running back that's coming in, and every, you know, they're they're capable, but they're also, they're fresh, you know, fresh legs and, and the, the ability to rotate in and out like that and not really skip a beat. It's a huge, it's a huge problem when you're a defense trying to, to defend that. And then also, you know, it just helps the out so that he doesn't feel like he has to do everything. You know, has to put too much on his shoulders and he can relax and, and play his game.
2: What do you think makes Chris Peterson such a great coach?
6: I think, he's, I think he's a very smart X's and O's guy. Um, I, I think he, when it comes to his knowledge in the game of football, I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. But I also think he's just very good with his players as well. His players, they buy in, they believe. You saw what he did at Boise State, and I was able to actually uh, train Kellen Moore for a little while, who is now the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he played under Chris Peterson, and I just think, and just talking with him and his experience playing with, with Coach Peterson, um, you, you can just tell that he's a, he's a player's coach. His players really respect him. But when it comes to X's and O's, he's he's a very smart individual. But most importantly, he knows how to um, – you know, there's a lot of coaches that are, that are smart, but it, you have to be able to portray that to your players and have them go out and be able to do it because you can be as smart as you want, but you're not the one out there making the plays. And, you know, he does a very good job of getting his players to buy in wherever he goes.
2: It was interesting last week we talked about the game plan against USC where they dropped eight a lot and they kept everything in front of them. If you uh, go and kind of look at how Cal has beaten Washington the past two years, they've blitzed and they've gotten creative and they've, they've uh, I guess, dialed up the heat. Uh, certainly they did when they beat Eason a couple of weeks ago. Uh, do you Would you expect, seeing this BYU defense, would you expect a little bit more of an aggressive game plan this week?
6: Yeah, I think so. I think at some point you have to, especially, you know, Coach Peterson's teams are always very proficient in the pass game. And, you know, they're going to get open. They're going to find their spots. um, And, you know, obviously we want to play great in coverage and and we want to kind of have a bend, don't break approach and make them kick field goals. But at some point I think we got to let ourselves loose a little bit and bring pressure and not let the quarterbacks feel comfortable just sitting in there in the pocket all game long.
2: Jordan Pendleton is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Jordan, I've kind of asked uh, several people this this week, but complete this sentence for me. BYU beats Washington if?
6: If we don't turn the ball over.
2: Play clean. If
6: we don't turn the ball over on offense, I think we have a, a very good chance at beating this team at home.
2: Well, Jordan, we always appreciate your insight, and thanks for jumping on the show, man, and join the game this weekend. Absolutely, guys. See ya. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan Pendleton, uh, the former Cougar linebacker, and of course, check out Pendleton' performance. You heard uh, he mentioned he trained Kellen Moore. How about that? And uh, so, check out Pendleton, Pendleton Performance dot com and find out what uh, what Jordan can do for you. But we always appreciate him uh, jumping on and giving us uh, a little bit of insight. And not turning the ball over is going to be uh, is going to be tough. I mean, Washington brings back more experience on defense than they do on offense. But you know, Coach Lake, their defensive coordinator, is one of the best in the business. They're going to have a good game plan. It's one thing Gordon and I talked about. Um, uh, this week is that BYU outcoached USC. They had a better game plan. They had better adjustments all across the board. It's gonna be really hard to outcoach Chris Peterson. Uh, you will not
3: outcoach Chris Peterson. Yeah. Actually, you won't. I, I don't care. I don't care if it's Nick Saban. I like Chris Peterson. Right in that matchup, I do. Uh, so you have to look at the uh, talent uh, mismatches, and uh, I don't really see one. For BYU, but I do see an opportunity if they're able to flip what they did defensively against SC and go almost the exact opposite approach against Washington and play sound and clean like
2: like Jordan just said, yeah. and it'll be all right. All right, we're gonna have the Not Sports Port coming up next. I'll try and fill in for Gordon. I think I've got a pretty good story here though. Awesome. Can I tell you a secret? Yeah.
3: This is the only time I like the not sport, sport.
2: Oh, hey. That, yeah, when that, you're doing it. That's a nice compliment, Austin. And,
3: and, I, and I mean it. I appreciate that. With my f- every fiber of my
2: soul. And I think you're going to agree with my take on this story, too. I think this is right up your alley. Uh, then we will talk to Gordon Monson at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. So Gordon will join us live from L.A. At 5.30, we're going to chat with Scotty G. Of course, not only can you hear him noon to 3 every day here on the Zone Radio Network, but he's also the voice of the Utah State Aggies. They're in San Diego to take on the Aztecs, a game you'll be able to hear right here on the Zone Radio Networks coming up tomorrow. Uh, but we'll talk to Scotty and get a preview of that game at 530. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton.
3: The ramparts we watch. We're so gallant, sweet streaming. That's the sound of me. I think it was going after you. Whizzing down my leg <laughs> while singing the national anthem at a Bees game, not a foot away from a bald eagle who did not like my bald. The shine came off the back of my head, and he was like, I've had it! It was kind of scary. The
0: bald eagle, man, those claws got a hold of that dome, man. Yeah, It'd I be might. It's a tough
3: fight, man.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'd still take you in the battle, but you're not coming You'd out of You take me
3: over an eagle? I would never punch a bald eagle. I'd go. To prison. That eagle is actually pretty quick. In fact, too. by law, I think it's allowed to attack my dome. Yeah.
1: Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone In The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. <laughs>
2: show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. We're going to catch up with Gordon Monson from L.A. coming up in the very next segment, so stay tuned for that. We'll talk to Scotty G. coming up at 5.30. Get a preview on the Aggies, of course, uh, taking on San Diego State this weekend. It's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Thousands of used vehicles in inventory. Check out uh, check them out at LHM Used Cars Com. All right, Gor- or, uh, I almost said Gordon. Austin, we are going to Toronto today. Uh, Toronto? Toronto. Toronto. Oh, excuse me. Toronto. Okay. I'm sorry. Toronto. 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 Toronto, Canada. Toronto. <laughs> uh, so a guy named David Weaver showed up at a Toronto um, aquarium, Austin. A Toronto aquarium. A Toronto aquarium. And uh, this is about 10.30 in the morning. Aquarium was pretty busy. And so he goes- it Was it a weekday? Uh, I think it was a weekend, but I'm okay. not sure. Anyway. 10.30 on a weekday at an aquarium, why is it busy? It was, well, according to the article here, it was quite busy. So he, and they actually have uh, several quotes from people who witnessed this. So he, he showed up 10.30 and just took off every stitch of clothing and jumped right into the shark tank. Yeah, full of, uh, let's see, here. there were several types of sharks, including tiger sharks. So this wow. wasn't, yeah, this wasn't your like. It's just a naked man. And tiger sharks. Let's see here. Uh, it, sand tiger sharks, sawfish, and moray eels. Sharks are SOBs. Jumped wow. right in, swam around for a little while, uh, jumped out, and, uh, you know, was basically arrested. And he pled guilty. You mean he didn't get bit? Uh, no, he didn't. He he told the courtroom he likes doing quote spontaneous and exotic stuff. Uh, let's see here. Um, he said his only regret was going to court, which is pretty hilarious. But anyway, he's he's going to be fined, and uh, and whatever this is going to be on his record. But uh, you you know what the punishment should have been? Okay. The punishment should have been he would required to wear like like a chum necklace, you know, like, like stakes and stuff, and then heaved back into that shark tank for at least well several hours at least some time enough for something to happen okay right right you know what i mean Uh,
3: maybe sear the steak just enough so that it's bloody right then put it around his neck and put him in the water
2: exactly brilliant and then air the whole thing on tv
3: yeah naked too Uh, he has to be
2: naked again has to be naked chum the water and make him wear some sort of just churn it up real
3: good in there maybe 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 slap the water to make the
2: sharks mad don't don't feed them for a while yes. don't feed the sharks intermittent for a while. fasting it's healthy for you right and then heave him back in there that's that's exactly that needs to be in the law book why what would possess somebody to... this is one of the stupidest things i've ever heard of i get spontaneous mischief but really, you're gonna do that? Jump into the shark tank at the aquarium? Well, I don't. Why do people do anything?
3: Like, like I always tell you, Jake, it comes back to one thing.
2: Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> is that, is that,
3: that's it. That's the only only reason you would do such a uh, such a
2: uh, an action. Man, that's that's. Isn't it weird that that dropped from the Spell show that's like 20 years old now? Maybe not that much, like 15 years old. I don't think Rick James is with us anymore. Oh, is he not? No, he's not with us anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, Gabe's uh, Gabe's here from uh, Syringa Networks. shaking his head. Yeah, I think Rick James passed, didn't he?
5: Rest in peace, I believe.
2: But that cocaine's a hell of a drug. Drop will will never get old. That's that's hilarious. Gabe uh, Gomez, general manager at Syringa, joining us now in studio, hanging out with us today. Their number three eight five four two zero seven eight eight one. And we're uh, talking about some idiot in Toronto who stripped naked and jumped into a shark tank. Might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Sounds like a good episode of
5: Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. That there, does. That yeah.
2: That's a great point, yeah. Austin. I think his punishment should have been he had to wear like some sort of meat necklace, and they heaved him back in there. You know, <laughs> like chum up the water good, and then he has to uh, go back into the shark tank. But you know, that's
5: uh, that's pretty harsh punishment. But uh, <laughs> I don't disagree. I guess.
2: So we're going to go from one of the dumbest things I've ever heard to one of the smartest things I've heard, and that's get your telecommunications taken care of properly with Siringa Networks.
5: Yes, and that is what uh, Ringing Networks is all about. We are a local telephone company that uh, specializes in the local so- service and support, providing all the full suite of telecommunication products to the Utah market. So, if
2: if somebody out there in their businesses have gotten one of those notices from XO and Verizon or whatever, you don't have to put up with that stuff. There's a better option.
5: There is. Yeah, you can certainly give us a call, look us up on our website, and uh, we can help you. We uh, we specialize in. In uh, servicing that specific product that they're doing away with.
2: Syringanetworks.com is that website, the number 385 420 7881. And you guys are local, and that comes with tons of benefits.
5: Uh, a great deal of benefits. First off, you get to know exactly who it is that, that is handling your, your services. Whenever you're having an issue, you're going to call a live body that's uh, housed here in Utah. And the, the person that comes out to repair it, of course, is, is local too, and they're dispatched here locally.
2: And maybe if you're you're nice enough to Gabe, he'll throw in one of these sweet Syringa lids that I'm currently wearing. Yeah, thanks that's for a, sporting that. that that's looks a really nice I mean, hat. It is.
5: It's keeping you warm it in, is. This, in this place here. In this freezing studio. Yeah. All
2: right, the number again, 385-420-7881, 385-420-7881, or just check them out, syringanetworks.com. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Gordon joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Mike Ugunen from The Athletic.
0: Explain this USC Trojan team to me. Are they dangerous? Are they not as good as we thought they were? What is Utah about to see?
4: I think Utah is about to see a team that, if it gets hit in the mouth, can't really respond because it's not very physical. The fact that Utah easily handled a BYU team that beat USC, that, if I'm a Utes fan, I'm thinking, unless we mess up, we are going to physically dominate the line of scrimmage in this game, and I think that's exactly the case. I would be stunned if USC beats Utah. Utah, I think, will be able to run the ball down USC's throat. I think they're going to shut down the USC running game, which means Slovis is going to be running for his life. I think Utah is going to win by at least two touchdowns.
1: Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.